tastemakers on Five Nights. Five FM. She's only 16 years old and she has already published her own book. It's two books now, right? That's it. Two books. At 16, her name is Jess Robas. If you don't know her name, you will know it now. She's our <laughs> tastemaker tonight. So World Book and Copyright Day was just this past mm. weekend and you released a book. I did indeed. It was a wonderful experience. Lovely day. Say no more. We're about to get started. You're about to flip your very first coaster. Now you'll finally get to see what's going on and why you've got coasters in front of you there. <laughs> Here's your very first one, Jess. I'm terrified. Let's do this. <laughs> oh, you can trust me. Arnold the Not Dinosaur. Arnold the Not Dinosaur. <laughs> that is obviously a book that you have just released. Apparently you wrote that when you were 12. I did. I wrote my first draft on my mum's computer when I was about 12 years old. And then I left it for about four years and kind of forgot about it. And then last year I was like, hey, this is a pretty cool story that I've put a lot of my heart into. And I think other people could connect with it. And so started refining it, getting an illustrator. And now today, here we are. The illustration is really, really amazing by Holly Evers. She is just fabulous. Yeah. She's studying art in Florence right now, but mm-hmm. she's incredibly talented and just well, lovely. What I know about the book is that it's it's obviously a children's book. So zero to about seven years old, right? Mm, yes. Um, but it... it talks about such important issues like identity and what's also fascinating mm-hmm. about the book is the font that it's written um, in as well you yes. were very intentional about the fact that you want everybody to read the book and you you are making sure that even if somebody has dyslexia they're able to read this and enjoy this book tell me about that and why that was so important to you completely so it was it was really important to me because holly my illustrator is she actually uh, floated the idea of using this font because she herself is dyslexic mm. so she brought up the idea of increasing the accessibility of the story by using a font that essentially just makes it easier for people with dyslexia to read mm-hmm. like there's a better differentiation between the letters which means that they don't get mixed up as often yeah it's called and open dyslexic right yes, yeah that's so it. that's dyslexic friendly font mm, mm. yes and it's it's really cool i'd never heard about it before but as soon as holly brought it up it really i just I really loved it and I loved the idea and it's so important to me that especially in children's media we should be working on making it as accessible as possible so that not only to increase the educational awareness of kids like you know increasing literacy and all that but also just telling important stories and getting kids interested in reading from that young age and not sort of blocking them out because they may struggle with reading or dyslexia. Exactly and why this title what is the the book about? So this book is essentially about a little dinosaur called Arnold Mm -hmm. who lives in a house in the tippiest top of Table Mountain. Mm -hmm. And he goes and he meets some new friends. And without without spoiling too much, because, you know, still want everyone to read the book, (laughs) he has a little bit of an identity crisis. And he's led to, to think about himself and to... He's really just... He struggles with his own identity and with... Uh, the questions of whether who he thinks he is is actually who he is in a world full of people who really don't accept him for who he is. And he has to grapple with those ideas and eventually come to a place of understanding and self-acceptance. You told us about your book, Arnold the Not Dinosaur. Where can people find the book? 
So they can find it on my website, uh-huh. www.jessrobus.com. And that's where if you want to order a paperback copy, you can order that one there as well as my first book, Few Slivers of Light. And then both of them are also available on Amazon if you're more of an e-reader person. Uh-huh. Talking about more of an e-reader person, uh, Roger Good, who does the show right mm-hmm. before me, the legendary Roger Good, <laughs> he actually uh, mentioned something earlier on when I told him I'm, I'm going to be chatting to you. And, and he was like, I must definitely ask you what you think about AI and the fact that you are able to literally get onto chat GPT and other softwares right now and say hey write me a story about a dinosaur trying to find their identity and AI is able to do that do you think robots AI computers technology is always is ever going to take over what people like you do poets and writers so I have Uh, There are two parts to this answer. The soppy part of me that's like invested in arts is saying no because art is essentially a form of human communication. It's a conversation between two people. And Mm -hmm. I think that the essential part of the artistic process is the expressing and receiving of those emotions that really can't be matched by AI. And then the linguistic part of me, the sort of is also saying no because what ChatGPT is, it's an LLM, a large language model, which means it recognizes patterns essentially. Like when two words are found close together, like World War II, I mean, World War II, yeah, starting in 1939. So then if you had to ask it, hey, when did World War II start? Then it would recognize that World War II start often happens in conjunction with 1939, spit that out. But it doesn't really understand what it's saying. Mm. And so it can't really write per se as it can rearrange facts into commonly assembled patterns. So I don't think it's ever going to do, I hope it doesn't yeah, do what same. I'm going to do, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that it won't. There's definitely magic in one, uh, what artists are able to create and I don't think any sort of computer a robot or software will ever replace that. I yeah, <laughs> agree with you. That's, that's oh, nice. that was that was amazing. I'm glad I asked you that. Okay, you've got a coaster to flip. Ooh, let's do this. Ooh, mental health. Yes, because that is a very big part of the work that you do. Tell me about your work as a mental health advocate and why it's so important to you that you are in mm. the forefront of this conversation. Well, really. I think that for so long, mental health and mental health struggles and mental illness has been something that's been treated like this huge, dark, unnameable beast, something that lurks in the corner of every room. But you don't want to name it because if you name it, you admit it exists. And we can't we can't do Mm. that. Goodness, no. Mm. Um, But really, I've seen the effects of untreated mental health issues in my own life and in the lives of people that I care about. Like a lot of my first book was focused on my own struggles with anxiety and depression before I had the vocabulary to talk about them with like parents and psychologists and know what was going on and express what I was feeling. And I've seen how important it is to have outlets and to have just the vocab to talk about what you're feeling and to have a space where you can share that talk. In the words of Mr. Rogers, anything that's human is mentionable and anything that is mentionable is manageable. And so I really just want to be a part of yep, that. Make- was good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I feel very encouraged. Mm. But I really just want to be a part of making these things mentionable. Like 
helping even just one person feel validated and heard in their struggles and making sure that they know that they can actually talk about what they're going through to just decrease that stigma one word at a time. Mm, you're even an ambassador for a school for neurodiverse people. Uh, yes, what, what do you do there? Mm. Oh, it is the most incredible school. I love it so much. It's run by some very special educators with some very special students. But basically, um, I just I talk at their events and I work with them at this incredible school where it's really it's like a non-traditional schooling route that focuses on like you said on education in neurodiversity which is so special because a lot of the time neurodiverse students or students with learning challenges can really be left behind yeah. in the education system especially such a strict one which focuses on rules and yeah. regulations and so my work at edu360 is i you know i do my mental health talks and i help present the ideas of like poetry and writing as creative outlets to the students and then I also just collaborate with them and really just I've learned so much from this incredible school and its amazing teachers and students. I think it's so amazing all the work that you're doing. <laughs> How do you balance school? <laughs> Where does school fit into the mix? You are in matric, girl. <laughs> you are in matric. There's matric to write this year. So how are you juggling that? Um, a good amount of <laughs> denial in there. <laughs> no, it's uh, my school is just absolutely amazing and mm -hmm. I love it so much. So I go to Heronbridge College, mm -hmm. which is middle of nowhere by like Lanceria mm -hmm. but it's really just been incredible my school's been so supportive of myself and my creative endeavors and I think it's just you know a, not to not to sound preachy to any like high school people who yeah. may be listening okay. but the thing is just do your stuff when you get it like when you get your deadlines make sure that you write them down and just actually do stuff so that you stay ahead of it so that when you start falling behind because goodness knows it will happen you'll know what you have to catch up on and it won't be this like never-ending list oh like i am Ooh. one of the most anxious people you'll yes. ever meet um you probably I haven't you. I, you maybe haven't noticed it yet but <laughs> <laughs> i really am but what i tend to do is there's something about being so anxious that makes me procrastinate mm. and then I, I procrastinate not get things done and then i'm so overwhelmed and then the drama that follows oh, exactly is insane and i don't know if you go through this but when you're somebody that procrastinates and you get overwhelmed and that kind of stuff mm. you eventually get things done right you you do you not maybe not in the healthiest way they yes. they get done you get things done and it's yeah amazing their assignment comes back 80% you're like what Slay. then you do it again it's oh, so terrible and you absolutely 100% get things done as mm. you receive that assignment when yeah. when it's time to study study get it done because otherwise you're really just making life so stressful for yourself goodness <laughs> you you really are it's just like it's not healthy <laughs> It takes too much energy to do that, honestly. It is not healthy at all. Jess Robas, she yeah. is an author. She's just released a book. It's amazing. Arnold, The Not Dinosaur. It's her second book. She's only 16 for World Book and Copyright Day over the weekend. It's still so fresh and amazing. Please tell thank me this you. is my copy that I'm holding. Oh, heck yeah, definitely. Yay, thank you. <laughs> I hope you enjoy. I have got quite the book collection, you see. Nice. We Children's see books, it. bring them on. You know what I do? I buy mm. so... Kids in the family, friends, mm. children, they yeah. know exactly what Auntie Ganga was going to buy them. I buy books, eh? I, as you should, Listen. honestly. I, I do the same and then I don't give them as birthday presents. I'm like, this is mine now. Yeah. <laughs> I am that auntie that will buy you a book. And if you nice. have not gotten into the habit of reading it, you will start you to will. read. <laughs>
It's no, there's no choice. You will be a reader. Do you <laughs> struggle? I mean, obviously you're an author, so I don't know if you also struggle with this, but like finding the time to be able to read for leisure. Oh, completely. Because all these screens that we mm. are consuming all the time are on our phones, we're on our laptops, yeah. it's TV, it's so many things happening in the world. It's school, it's work, where even if you're a lover of books like myself, you're finding time to read. Completely. Do you find time to read for, for leisure? So, um... I don't so much find time as I make it sometimes. Mm-hmm. So generally, like my my school life and my life in general is very busy, as my poor mum can attest to, because yeah. I can't drive, so she has to drive me <laughs> everywhere. Um, she probably cannot wait for you to turn 18. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, she's just waiting for that day. Fingers crossed. But um, I, so I, I'm really busy, and I do like tend to spend time on my phone because I love like video essays and watching random really niche videos on youtube about certain topics like what um so the most recent one i watched was about the history the comprehensive history of fandom and okay uh, about like fandoms inventing characters and the different kind of like the morality of fandom Mm. and i'm exposing myself as such a nerd here but it's just so basically how beyonce's fans the hive become the hive how they become the hive and like the fanfic they write and all all that yeah, stuff. and how they fight everybody on social media. <laughs> yes, they do. Yeah. We are not done yet. You've got a couple of more coasters to flip. You never know what's coming. Let's do it. Ooh, poetry. Yes, yes. You have been writing poems since you were like before little, ten. Little, little. I was little, little, and I was angsty as a small child, and yeah. didn't know how to express my emotions. So poetry was. <laughs> Did your parents sometimes get shocked when you'd write like a piece of poetry and then they read it and they're like, what? Yeah. Com- this is deep for a child. Did that ever happen? Yeah, c- completely. They would get they would get a little concerned. They yeah. learned later on that, A, I like using dramatic language and mm. sometimes I take a feeling and compound it a lot. And so it seems a lot bigger than it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then B, I was actually struggling with stuff that I didn't know how to verbalize. So it came as a shock to all of us really mm. when I'd write something and it'd be like, oh, that's what I'm feeling. Oh, that's what you're feeling. Okay, let's deal with this yeah. now. So you heal through words. That's it. I really just words, I think... It was W.H. Auden who said poetry is the clear expression of mixed thought, which is one of my favorite quotes because really when I write, it's because I can't do anything else until I write, really. Mm -hmm. I've got this like jumble of feelings inside of my head that I can't understand or verbalize until I sit down and I put a pen to paper and then I can understand myself a little better once I'm done. I, I have to hear one of your poems. <laughs> and I know I'm not the only one that feels like that tonight. Now I'm like, Jess, come on, spit something for us. Here is a poem I wrote called Eleven. Mm -hmm. It was released in my first book. Okay. I was 11 years old in a bright pink bathing suit, walking along the beach with my friends, 16 and 17, when a group of men three times our age started walking behind us, following us, getting closer and closer before my mother chased them away. If I had to describe it like a psychologist would have me... I'd say that I could see the surf, the sand, the sun, the sky, and their shadows in the corner of my eye. I could feel the sunblock on my arms, the sand on my feet, the towel beneath my arm, and their eyes on the back of my neck. 
I could hear the crash of the waves, the seagulls screeching in their slurred voices. I could smell the salt water and the booze on their breath, and I could taste the salty flavor of fear in my mouth. Although I was eleven and disgusted, eleven and afraid, I was eleven and lucky, because she was nineteen, and her burned body was found dumped in a township. She was sixteen, and her rapist was treated with leniency because he was from a good family and college eligible. She was five years old and left for dead in the back room of a house. She was fourteen, fifteen, twenty-three, forty-one, and she was silenced. I shall not be, because I was eleven and lucky, but she was not. Sure. Jeez. Jeez. Thank you. I don't think there's any woman or girl that can listen to that and not be able to relate. As sad as it or is, or even a young yeah. boy, you know, it's 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 a sad truth, like you said, that it's all too relatable sometimes. And words are so healing too. They definitely do have the power to put you through a whole lot of emotions, <laughs> like right just. now. My word, <laughs> jeez, Jess, how old were you when you wrote that one? Um. Wow, so that one was released in my first poetry book. So the experience, the creepy, creepy people on the beach, mm. was happened when I was 11. But I think I wrote that one, it must have been about a year later. So I was about 12. I was sure. in grade 7-ish. You're so talented. You're leaving me so speechless. And I am somebody that has a lot of words. <laughs> my name means answer. I have an answer for everything. That is so cool. Yeah, Gangamu means answer. I have an answer and a word for everything. But you have totally left me speechless. Listen, the WhatsApp line right now says, wow. Aww. Powerful. Someone else says, my daughter's almost five. She loves dinosaurs and she also has Aww. special needs. When she sees Arnold, she says, bah, that's what she calls dinosaurs. I've been following Jess's story on Facebook and she's absolutely amazing. I agree. I'm just, I'm glad that we're on the radio now and not TV because I'm going to cry off my mascara and I don't <laughs> want anyone to see that. <laughs> you got fans. But after that poem, oh, I mean, that was such a powerful poem. Here's a voice note from, uh, uh, from a listener. Jess. Yes, my child. Yeah. Wow. Ah. That poem, uh-huh. that's deep. Oh. <laughs> that's Thank deep. Thank you so much. That's deep. Oh, wow. That was dope. You're so talented. See? Yeah. Then there's me in the background going, you're so talented. <laughs> you got so many of us just like completely mind blown. You are absolutely mind blown. How come you're 16 and in matric? Um, so I'm born in August, uh-huh. but then I'm... I also skipped grade four, so I went huh? from grade three to grade five because my parents had an, a good idea that I would do fine academically. Like I've always, I've always been lucky enough to do well within the school system, but socially, I really just wasn't doing well at all with my grade. Like mm-hmm. I didn't fit in, didn't have friends. Mm-hmm. I was about to say I didn't have many friends. I had, I had, I had one friend, and we are still friends to this day, and oh. I love her very much. Shout out to Rachel. Oh, but hi, Rachel. <laughs> She's so Hey, bestie. Yeah. (laughs) But um, how did you skip grade four, though? So we had a lot of conversations with, like, school psychologists and myself and my parents and teachers. And at the end of the year, the principal of the primary school just said, hey, we don't want your child to leave the school because that was the other option we were Mm -hmm. considering. So why don't we just move her up? And we did. And it was the scariest thing I'd ever done at the time. But looking back, it was was definitely the best decision I've ever made. Also, you're a genius. (laughs) 
<laughs> like we can move her up because she's a genius as well. <laughs> All right, let's reveal the next coaster. Let's do it. Okay. Ooh. Fortunately, unfortunately. Yes. Ah, we're about to play a game. I know this one. Do you know that game? Oh, I think so. From drama school. Yes. Fellow theater kid. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love that. Yes. Okay, so... You know the game, but mm. just in case somebody's listening and they don't know how it works. So I am going to start. We're going to tell a story in 30 mm. seconds. So we've only got 30 seconds. Let's and I'm going to start with the word. No, actually, I want you to start. Yes, I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay. You're going to start the story with the word. Fortunately. fortunately, then I have to carry on and say, unfortunately, carry on the story. Mm. And we'll see what the story is in, in 30 seconds. I feel nervous to play this with somebody that's an author i'm like oh she's gonna think i suck no. <laughs> all right are you ready yes. so this is fortunately unfortunately jess you are up first fortunately arnold the dinosaur had a wonderful life on the tippiest top of table mountain unfortunately when arnold one day was on the top of table mountain oh my goodness there was a big earthquake Fortunately, Arnold managed to get back to his house before the earthquake started getting too big. Unfortunately, another earthquake erupted and Arnold was like, what am I going to do? Fortunately, he had a geography project due in a week which needed investigation of seismic events. <laughs> we tried, we tried, we, we tried. tried. If anything, I'm the one that froze for a second and I was like, yeah, I think you make great. me nervous. I think you being a storyteller makes me extremely no. nervous. But that was fun. Well done, Thank Jess. You. you too. That was really fun. <laughs> Ooh, we've been having such a great time with our tastemaker for tonight, Jess Robas. She's amazing. Performed a beautiful poem earlier on. She's also really good with her words. I'll tell you that much. She's an author. Her brand new book is all out. It's called Arnold the Not Dinosaur, which you can find on her website. Jess, what's your website again, girl? Uh, so it's www.jessrobus.com. And then it's also on Amazon for e-reading. Oh, you need to get that book. I mean, it's a children's book, but I think it's such an important book for everyone. And for me, the fact that you intentionally made the font... Uh, you know, easy to read and easy to access for people who have uh, dyslexia. I think it's so beautiful. It just because everybody should have access to reading and to books. Completely, that's it. Yeah, it's love it. All right, so you've got some more fan mail, girl. <laughs> and listen to this. You're too good, my child. You're so good, and I'm giving you a green light to skip facility because you're a natural born star. You are a superstar. Well done. You really are. So oh. you were able to skip grade four. <laughs> and she's saying you can totally skip varsity. What do you want to do after matric? Because you've already achieved so much at, at such a young age. What's the plan? Thank you. Well, there are many plans at this point. So um, next year I want to do my A-levels. And then after that, fingers crossed, I'd love to get a scholarship to an international university to study theater and creative writing. And then possibly, you know, just produce musicals and carry on writing anything I can get my hands on really <laughs> I love that you're going to do all of that I tell you that Thank much you. it's definitely going to happen alright let's flip your next coaster this is your last one it's last round oh, <laughs> oh hidden talent yes <laughs> I saw an instrument as you walked in. That's a ukulele, right? Yes. Am I saying it right? Yes, it's it's, it's my guitar, but I didn't feed it well enough. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a really tiny one. I saw that and I was like, this one's got hidden talents. Thank you. That's exactly why it says hidden talents there. So besides being an amazing author and everything else that you do, you make music? 
I do indeed. I love songwriting and music and actually was privileged enough to write and produce a musical with the Stageworks School of Performing Arts, which mm-hmm. I'd love to do something with someday. Hint, hint to any music producers listening. I hope they listen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Me too. But yeah, I do. I play the ukulele and piano and um, kazoo, I guess. But <laughs> it's like this annoying little plastic uh, yeah? lizard instrument that everybody hates, but I love it very much. Well, listen, <laughs> I cannot wait to hear your hidden talent I mean, you've been, you've been showing us so many of your talents now. You've said a poem. Now I'm even making you sing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what are you going to perform for us? So this is Arnold's theme song. It's called You Are What You Are. And I really, I wrote it in conjunction with the book because I wanted to express Arnold's thoughts in a musical form and just wanted to give him some music. All right, there we go. This is Chess Robas. Showing us her <laughs> music talent this time around. are who you are and who you are is good enough you are who you are and who you are is lovely whether you're a lion with a great big roar or a green galumphing dinosaur you are who you are and who you are is who you are to be are what you are and what you are is brave enough to let your colors shine through any cloud da 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 dum you know who you are what you feel inside and i promise you don't have to hide you are who you are and you can sing it out But that's what makes us special Like puzzle pieces, no two are the same But when you fit them all together You can see a little better How a beautiful new picture comes into frame You are who you are and who you are is wonderful when who you are is loving and caring and kind some folks try to knock you try to tear you down just brush them off and wear your crown you are loved and you've come so very far you are loved and you shine just like a star You are loved for exactly who you are. Come on now. (laughs) Oh, Jess, you are so talented. You are a star. (laughs) Thank you so much. What a beautiful song. And I think it also just perfectly explains what your book is about. That was what I was going for, so I'm oh. glad. <laughs> I, I, I really think, you know, you 100% definitely got it. Thank 100% you. right. Thank you so much for joining me on the show tonight. You have been absolutely spectacular. You are so talented. Thank you so much for having me. I can say 
honestly, without a doubt, this is the most fun Tuesday night I have had in so long. <laughs> Listen, I'm glad you've had a fantastic Tuesday night. I've had a fantastic time. She is the author of Arnold the Not Dinosaur. She is incredible. Jess, I cannot wait to see your star just shine brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. Thank you, Karabo. And again, just thank you for having me and for your time. And just, this has been incredible. You, you are incredible. <laughs> that was Tastemakers. Tastemakers on Five Nights. 5FM.